This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Christians, this Lenten season we are focusing on Old Testament lessons that are fulfilled in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. In these Old Testament lessons, we've learned about sin. We've learned how we ought to repent. We've learned how God works faith through his word. But today, we're going to shift our focus just a little bit to learn about how God brings his word. And he does so through the office of the Holy Ministry. It is what we confess in the Augsburg Confession, that God has given the office of the Holy Ministry in order that we might obtain the Christian faith. The office of the ministry gives God's word and administers sacraments. And in those things, God makes us Christian. In fact, that is the very task that a pastor has. Word and sacrament, nothing more. And certainly, nothing less. Now, tonight we're going to focus on the book of Zechariah. And if you want to learn about the fulfillment of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament, read the entire book. Tonight we're going to focus on one small part. Chapter 11, mostly. About shepherds and sheep. Now, in the pages of Scripture, this idea of shepherds and sheep has been an allegory for pastors and congregations. And it's no different in our lesson for tonight. In our lesson, God appoints Zechariah to be the chief shepherd for a flock that's doomed to be slaughtered. To shepherd this flock, God gives him two shepherd's staffs. One of them is named Favor, and the other is named Union. These two staffs represent the way God has traditionally shepherded his own people. God granted his favor to the people of Israel, choosing them by grace to be his very people. And as a result, the people he had chosen were all united, unioned into one common faith, trusting in him. It's those two things, God's favor and God's unity, that kept God's people together. And so, Zechariah's sheep represent God's people. And Zechariah himself is their pastor, their shepherd. Zechariah's job is to keep the sheep from being slaughtered, just as God had kept the Israelites from being destroyed. And what's more, we find out that Zechariah even has co-workers under shepherds to help him guard his flock. 
But in the parable in our Old Testament lesson, there are problems. First off, the under-shepherds don't do their job. In fact, our text says that within a month of Zechariah becoming the chief shepherd, three of his under-shepherds are destroyed by him. His own word. What's more, as time continues to go on, the sheep begin to despise Zechariah's leadership. And Zechariah becomes impatient with their failure to follow him. Finally, Zechariah the shepherd abandons his post, his call, being paid 30 pieces of silver by sheep traders to just abandon the flock and leave it alone to take the money and run. It's a dysfunctional flock of sheep. And when Zechariah runs, he breaks the staff that is named Favor. You see, God no longer had favor for the people of Israel. They were conquered by Babylon. And then Zechariah breaks the staff named Union. For without a shepherd, the sheep were harassed and scattered. Without God's favor, there was nothing to hold them together. The flock was broken up, scattered on a day of thick darkness. And having broken these two staffs, the things that held the flock together, Zechariah says the covenant of God with his people had also been broken. Broken by their sin, broken by their wandering, broken by their guilt broken by their poor shepherds. But Zechariah still got paid, right? 30 pieces of silver. God tells him what to do with that money. God says, throw it to the potter. And so Zechariah takes it to the temple, the house of the Lord, and he throws it in. Again, it says he throws it to the potter. To which potter? To God. The potter who reached his hands into the dust of the earth, formed man from it, and breathed life into him, making him a living being. And that's the parable. That's where it ends. It's kind of a unique parable, isn't it? A flock of sheep gone wrong. Shepherds falling short. But it's not really about that. It's not about how bad a shepherd Zachariah was. It's a parable that looks forward to teach us about Jesus, and to teach us 
about the church. Here in this congregation, we know that Jesus is a shepherd also. We even have a stained glass window depicting it, don't we? But Jesus is not a shepherd of sheep. Jesus is a shepherd of people. A flock that he has gathered together around himself through preaching and healing. Jesus is the shepherd of these people by showing how God has compassion upon God's people. And Jesus, the chief shepherd, has under-shepherds who work for him, disciples who are called to preach the gospel as well. Jesus has under-shepherds. We might call them Pastors, ones who are to preach the word and administer the sacraments. And through the word and the sacrament, the church is gathered together into Jesus' sheepfold, into his flock. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for that flock. And pastors are the under-shepherds who bring Christ's gifts to those people. That's the way the church works, right? Perfectly. Pastors and people, word and sacrament, everything's hunky-dory in the church, right? Well, not always. Things happen exactly as Zechariah had foretold. At least they did in Jesus' time. One of the under-shepherds, Judas Iscariot, turns Jesus over to be killed by the Jews. What's the price? Thirty pieces of silver. Now, Judas, who we so often revile, the truth is he had been called to be a disciple. He sat and listened to the word of Jesus coming out of the mouth of Jesus for three years. Judas was supposed to be a pastor. St. Peter himself in Acts chapter 1 says that Judas was allotted a share in the ministry of the Christian church. But Judas didn't fulfill that ministry. He turned his back on God's favor. Instead, he loved money. And his unity with the other disciples was broken. In fact, on Monday, Thursday, they ran from him and the soldiers who were with him. Union broken. Favor gone. All because this pastor, Judas, loved money more than Jesus. It's not ironic 
in the small way, but in a big way, that Judas is paid the same price for handing over Jesus that was paid to Zechariah for abandoning the flock. Thirty pieces of silver. That's the price paid to have the good shepherd's blood poured out. To have Jesus killed. All that Zechariah had foreseen about sin in the church had come to pass. And it doesn't end just there. After all, there are still shepherds and sheep in our world today, right? Congregations and pastors. And while we would like to think that everything's hunky-dory here with congregations and pastors, and I don't mean specifically here, I mean here in the church today, there are challenges, aren't they? Pastors are called to be pastors, to preach the word and to administer the sacraments, to bestow God's favor so that the congregation will be united in a confession of faith. That's what pastors are supposed to do. But sometimes in our sinful world, just as in our parable, Just as with Judas, sometimes today, shepherds are unfaithful. There are pastors in our world today who love money more than God, just as Judas did. Pastors who for the metaphorical 30 pieces of silver, will abandon God's word to preach what they want instead. These false under-shepherds serve their own ego and belly rather than the good shepherd who rules over them. These false pastors are more concerned with how they look in a three-piece suit than what they say with their mouths in the sermon. They're more concerned that everybody leaves church feeling good than they are with preaching God's word. When a hard truth must be spoken... An unpopular hard truth, these false under shepherds are silent. They're quiet because they know the truth. Their family's livelihood is based on the words they speak, and they love that livelihood more than serving God. It's not just that they're silent either. They have 
No idea the immense pressure a pastor feels to preach what people want to hear, to preach the opposite of what God's word says, to deny sin, to promote licentiousness and wickedness, to give people over to the desires of the world. Because preaching God's truth isn't popular. So, in service to 30 pieces of silver, these false under-shepherds write books, they go on TV shows, they draw attention to themselves as they preach a false gospel. These false under-shepherds find ways to occupy their time that don't support the proclamation of God's word. Perhaps they fill their day with long meetings so that they look busy. But they mostly sit around in their home or their office. They think mainly about themselves and not of their flock. By their laziness, by their failure to stand firm, God's favor is broken. The unity of congregations is broken. And the sheep of God are sent to the slaughter. These false under-shepherds deserve to be treated exactly as the under-shepherds were by Zechariah. To be destroyed. Now, I know that's kind of hard on pastors. So prepare for this as well. At the same time that there are bad pastors out there in the world, there are also congregations that grow weary with the faithful under-shepherds that God has appointed to them. Sheep who critique the things the pastor does or doesn't do based on their own terms rather than God's word and sacraments. The sheep don't like his style. They don't like his clothes. They don't like the tenor of his voice. They don't like his family. They don't like it when he doesn't leave them feeling good at the end of the morning. They accuse him of being awkward, even if he preaches the truth. The sheep are fine if he points out someone else's sin, but if the pastor gets too close to their own sin, they seek to drive him away by taking away his income or attacking his family. If they don't like the way the shepherd is shepherding his flock, to try to take over his role for them. Telling him how he ought to act contrary to God's word. And when the pastor fails, and every pastor does, they refuse to forgive. They refuse to help the pastor improve. 
fail to talk to the pastor about their concerns. Instead, they covet the new, young, hip pastor who fits their man-made image of who a pastor should be. And in this, by rejecting the under-shepherd who's faithful, these congregations also reject the good shepherd who sent that under-shepherd. Pastors fail. Congregations fail. All of us sin. And so, dear Christian, this Lenten season, all of us must repent. Pastors, congregations, shepherds, and sheep. We must repent because church isn't here for the pastor's sake. And church isn't here for the congregation's sake. Church is here for the good shepherd's sake. For Jesus' sake. So we must repent of despising the pastor who's come to preach and administer God's gifts among us. We must repent of refusing to hear the word preached. Repent of pushing him out of his tasks. Repent of refusing to forgive, help, and support him. Repent of coveting the pastor down the street instead of the one God has given you. You must repent of rejecting not only the under-shepherd, but the good shepherd who sent him. And we, pastors, must constantly repent and seek to boldly preach God's word the way that you need to hear, not the way you want to hear. We pastors must repent of the desire to be silent or to soften the message of Christ. We must repent the desire to be silent for the sake of our incomes or merely to keep the peace. We pastors must repent of our failures and our shortcomings and our laziness and our feigned busyness and seek to do better in the future. And in all of this, as Christians, pastors and congregations, shepherds and sheep, live underneath the authority of the true good shepherd. We live in the mercy of Christ, of Jesus, who paid the ultimate price for all of our forgiveness, not gold or silver, but his holy precious blood, innocent suffering and death, so that we might be his own, so that we might live under him, in his kingdom. 
Christ shed his blood for all of us. For all our sin. And living in that forgiveness, that's how a congregation and a flock should work. Zechariah sees clearly, immediately following all this sheep and shepherd talk, he sees Jesus' crucifixion. He says, you shall look on the one, on me, God says, who you have pierced. We should look at Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for the sheep. We should look to Jesus, who shed his blood that the flock may live. And we should know that it's because of him that we are here. Christ is the leader of this congregation, not the voters' assembly. Christ is the leader of this congregation, not Poppy or Moline. Christ is the good shepherd. The under-shepherds, they come and go. Pastor Moline and Pastor Poppy are only temporary, but Christ will stay forever. The sheep will be born and die, but in Christ they will live forever. Jesus alone is the way we have peace before God. Jesus alone is the one who bestows his favor upon us to unite us as the church of Christ, to gather together to hear the word and receive the sacraments. Christ is our good shepherd. He loves us. Cares for us, sheds his blood for us, so that we might be in his sheepfold. In the name of Jesus, amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, with intrepid hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.